Hello all, uh, welcome to another episode of uh, Directive Stories and uh, today we have an interesting guest on our show, uh, somebody who uh, works in the uh, mental health space, uh, somebody who is an experienced psychotherapist uh, who had demonstrated in the history of working um, through the mental health care industry. Uh, he's a healthcare service professional uh, with an MBA focused in the healthcare management. And let's bring on our guest for today, uh, Joel. Welcome, Joel. Hey, everybody. Happy to be here. Thank you. Joel Kwame. Kwame? Okay. Kwame. 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 Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, Joel, um, uh, it's an honor to have you on our interview uh, today uh, with Directive Stories. In fact, uh, at DirectShifts, we help uh, connecting clinicians to their uh, employers um, by using our AI job board, uh, the artificial intelligence job board. So in case if you're watching this live, leave in your comments or leave in your questions. And if you are hitting the replay, um, do get in touch with us uh, through our social media handles. Um, once again, welcome, Joel. So please let uh, our audience know as to uh, how you started your journey or uh, probably give a little intro about yourself. Yeah. Um, so how I started my journey, uh, you know, getting into psychotherapy, uh, psychology has always been something I've been fascinated about. Um, and I wanted to be able to use that interest in a way that I could help people. And so psychotherapy uh, to me was the, the, the best route to do so. Um, I was able to go to uh, Adelphi University. I got my social work degree there. Um, and then as soon as I got my clinical license, I decided to, to move into uh, private practice and you know, to begin uh, provide therapy that way. But um, I got my, my MBA really because I wanted to also be able to help administrators um, be able to navigate how to uh, organizational behavioral health, which is, um, uh, very paramount. We're seeing that need now more than ever, but even before, you know, um, we need to be able to make um, healthcare more efficient. And so I've been able to provide some consultations to other healthcare managers um, in that way by getting this degree. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's my story. So, um, so you started off your journey as a resident counselor, right? Yeah, I uh, I worked as a, uh, they called it a, a, a direct aid. Um, and what you would do is you would help, um, this was with the developmentally disabled population. And what we would do is we would help them navigate through everyday activities, uh, learning how to cook, learning how to clean, um, learning how to change their clothes, how to use a television, um, things of that nature. Um, and so we would provide them uh, very small counseling and teaching them how to do these skills. Um, it was a very hands-on job. Um, it uh, kind of set me in a trajectory that I was saying, okay, this is, you know, mental health is a field I really want to go through. Okay. Awesome. So, uh, in fact, uh, so right now you're also working as a adjunct professor at New York Institute of Technology. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I started that maybe a year ago. Um, you know, I, I, I'm working with a good bunch of students. I, I, I'm having a great time doing it. 
Um, I'm just, you know, showing uh, people how human behavior can be interesting. So they have me in the human behavior department in uh, a number of these interesting classes, one of which is they call it a cross-cultural aspects of dating, where you go over the history of mate selection and, and, and how we've reached it to today's society. But I also teach social work classes. Um, it's a fun time. It's a fun time. Okay, so that's great. That's awesome. In fact, uh, so I just wanted to ask you, uh, what is that one thing you wish you had known uh, before you started your career in the mental health space? Mm, what is the one thing that I had known? I, you know, one of the best things about mental health is, you know, one of the things we teach our patients is that experience creates perspective. And so, um, you know, if I was to teach myself anything, it would just be to be very open to different experiences because that is going to inform your care and ultimately the empathy you're going to need to be able to work with the patients that you work with. So, uh, you know, if I was to go back in time and tell myself, hey, this is what you need to, to uh, uh, be open to, it would be open to the idea of being open, you know. Okay. Yeah, that's again... Um... Uh, probably we can learn a lot when other people share uh, from their experiences and being more open. Uh, that's, again, a very valid uh, point. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, as you uh, continued your journey, like what is the uh, biggest failure uh, you had been through or what did you learn from that in this, like probably in the last decade, I guess. It's like over a decade is uh, the kind of experience which you had. So what is the uh, thing uh, which you had learned uh, from the kind of challenges which you had faced? Yeah, it would be compassion fatigue um, and vicarious trauma. I did not, you know, we, we learned about those concepts in, in school, but I didn't know what those were until I actually was in a, uh, a setting where that was, um, that was very, that, that was rampant amongst the, the clinicians. And what compassion fatigue is, it's essentially, you know, um, this field requires us to be very compassionate. It requires us to be very empathetic, you know, to understand um, where a person comes from and to express um, compassion to that. But, you know, you could get burnt out if you don't have the right coping skills in place. You could get burnt out um, if you're not cognizant of how much you're, you're, you're giving and you're not kind of um, pacing yourself. Um, and you know, it, it, it does burn you out. And I would, uh, you know, when we reach that burnout, it, it, you mirror the symptoms of depression. Um, and I could, if I can recall back to my earlier clinical time, I do remember having that kind of burnout and it manifesting in this way that I assumed that, you know, I was going through, um, you know, a kind of depression and, and in many ways I was. Okay, that's awesome. So we have uh, Revati who is also watching. So probably you'll have a few Indian friends who might be uh, <laughs> listening to your interview right now. Probably that's because they follow me on Facebook or probably the social media handles. But uh, thank you for sharing that. Again, going through the burnout and mirroring those symptoms uh, is something which everybody uh, faces during their journey uh, in the um, in any career for that matter, not only in mental health space. So uh, what advice would you give, uh, Joel, uh, in case if somebody is trying to pursue a career similar to yours? Uh, if I was to give advice to somebody, 
uh, who's trying to pursue a career similar to mine, I would say, you know, on a on a practical scale, they they need to find you know a niche that they want to go through, right? Um, mental health is a very large net, and it captures a lot of different conditions that people go through, uh, different kind of challenges that people experience. And so I would say, you know, identify a, a, a space that you want to go through, whether it's I want to be able to uh, treat anxiety, I want to be able to treat, um, to help people manage their anger, I want to um, be able to help people um, manage their depression, I want to be able to help people manage their traumas, um, whatever field that a person wants to go through to um, really focus on that so that way they can gather all the information they need to. Um, so they can be the most effective they possibly can be. Um, and then just get as much training as you possibly can. You know, I think that the more intelligent and sophisticated your interventions are, the better it is for your patients, you know. Okay. Yeah, that's true. So, again, um, going through certifications are probably the training, the right kind of training. In fact, it's difficult to find the right kind of mentor. Um because um, the internet pollution out there, the kind of uh, uh, loaded information which is out there is something which will make people dwell into the uh, mental health space information through lots of Facebook groups, LinkedIn groups. So again, uh, lots of my own friends or colleagues from the healthcare segment, uh, we deal with anxiety. Uh, again, going through depression or trauma, uh, I'm trying to focus on our energies due to this pandemic. Now, coming mm -hmm. back to our uh, main question, uh, as per the show, the one which we were trying to address. So how do you deal with depression now? Uh, end of the day, it's not a complete career or work which somebody would focus on. How do you manage your time or how do you deal with depression, Joel? What, what's your advice to somebody who is going through the roller coaster ride mm -hmm. due to the pandemic for the last eight to nine months? How do you manage or how do you shuffle things? Yeah, you know, it's it's that's a really good question. It, it, there's many ways. First, we have to understand a little bit about depression. I think that, you know, when we think about the pandemic and, and, and how depression is manifesting in people in the pandemic, um, we assume that everyone's going through the same path, right? The pandemic is, is just the trigger. But why depression manifests in people the way that it manifests is based on a perception, right? So the way that a person perceives events determines whether or not they're going to have a kind of depression. Depression really is uh, an attack on our hope, right? And so, you know, in many ways, it is kind of like a virus in that um, when a virus hits the body, what happens to the body is the body starts to go into conservation mode, right, in order to preserve energy. And when you perceive something um, in a particular way where you see it as hopeless, right, um, your body goes into the same sort of conservation mode, right? It's like it's attacking the, the psychological immune system. So by understanding that, we understand that, okay, how did this pandemic attack my hope? Well, for some people, their major coping skill was to travel, right? And that's gone. So that's why they're depressed. For some people, it's the quarantining. And so that's why they're depressed. Um, for some people, it's their inability to interact with their friends. And that's why they're depressed. For some people, they lost their jobs. And that's why they're depressed. So when we understand that it is a perception that we have that determines um, whether or not we're going to be depressed, then we can specify on how we want to engage that. So if the goal is to improve on our hope, right, um, we have to get in the habit of uh, working with our depression as opposed to saying that I'm just going to try to get rid of you because 
the depression is signaling to you saying that, hey, there's something in your life that you're missing. So if, um, if it's engagement, I need to figure out creative ways of, you know, um, connecting with friends and family, you know, whether it's through Zoom, whether it's through uh, social distancing activities, if it's through jobs, maybe I need to reframe how I'm looking at this and saying that, oh, okay, maybe there is a new career opportunity that I can pursue and, and, and there's some training that I can go through um, to get, you know, into a different kind of job uh, sphere. You know, um, if it's, you know, the quarantining, perhaps I need to start doing some activities that can mitigate risk, um, but still allow me the opportunity to, you know, explore outside and, and, and be able to get some fresh air. Um, so I think that is, for me, whenever I think about depression, I tell people that it is about creating goals, um, you know, manageable goals, um, goals, you know, not grand goals, because grand goals can overwhelm you, but manageable goals where you can uh, move in, in short strides, you know, maybe hang out with one friend for one week, maybe two friends the next week, and then an event, but um, things like that, you know? Yeah, that's that's very interesting way of putting it across. Uh, I guess that comes from your experience uh, being a professor or teaching lots of other children. Thank you so much, Joel, for sharing that. In fact, yeah. uh, the Zoom fatigue is real. Uh, mm -hmm. The webinar fatigue is so real. Even I read an interesting article from uh, the American Psychology Association, which talks about uh, people uh, being on multiple webinars, multiple meetings virtually, uh, people getting glued to their screens. And uh, again, the burnout circle, it's a vicious circle, which is, uh, which is out there. Uh, mm -hmm. Again, uh, one reason why uh, many people don't uh, hire mental health professionals is because of the cost. What would you say about it? I mean, it's too expensive is what people say. Hiring yeah. qualified uh, counselor or therapist. What, what's your take on that, Joel? How, how, how can people approach the licensed or qualified person? Right, right. You know, um, I, I, I do agree that, you know, therapy has uh, in many ways can be expensive, but you know, there are alternative routes a person could take um, to, you know, that, 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 that barrier that might be in the way of cost, whether that alternative route, there's uh, insurance. I think insur a lot of people aren't aware that their insurance can cover a lot of their uh, therapy appointments. Um, in some cases, uh, people have FSAs, which are, uh, you know, uh, money that they either put aside or the company gives to them. Um, that they can use for mental health services, but people aren't aware that they can use that benefit towards mental health. Um, other ways is, you know, through EAP services, sometimes companies offer employee assistance program benefits, and, and part of those that benefit package is a mental health component. So either the company themselves have a contracted uh, therapist that, you know, uh, the, the employees can use, or um, they're capable of finding their own therapist, and then the employee assistance program would cover it. Um, and then, of course, when you're talking to a therapist, asking about a sliding scale. Uh, many of the therapists uh, will accommodate, you know, patients if, you know, they, 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 they you know, were to request this, uh, 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 this sliding scale. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, uh, so getting the... Um insurance or probably uh, ha having somebody who will guide them how to handle the therapy something which is also needed so uh, let's go with with this uh, another question which is like uh, what are some of the greatest uh, resources that have helped you 
along the way, before you became a, a licensed clinical social worker, before you became a professor, as a student, uh, how did, uh, what kind of resources would you would like to share with our audience or with the people who was this? Right. Um, you know, I, the, the, you know, you could, the internet's one of the, probably the best assistors <laughs> for yeah, what's had to go through. But, you know, I always encourage people to find a mentor. You know, it is so important to find a mentor who you can just share your, your, your concerns, your worries, share your dreams with, and they can help you avoid some of the pitfalls. Um, and at the same time, if you fall into a pitfall, they can encourage you to stand back up. Um, in my personal journey, I have had the, you know, the blessing of having several different kinds of um, mentors who, you know, if I were to go to them and I, I said, hey, you know, um, this is what I want to do. They said, okay, this is the route that you need to take. You know, um, you, know you, you, you need to do this class. You don't need to do this class or you need to get what, this license. You don't need this license so much. You know what I mean? Um, and, and, and even now as I'm in um, private practice, you know, um, just understanding how to manage a business you know what I mean? They don't really teach you that in, in social work school. Um, so having, you know, mentors, uh, you know, even to this day and contacting them, and, uh, you know, venting to them and saying, hey, these are my issues. You know, I, I don't know how to market so well. I don't know how to um, send in claims so well. And they're saying, you know, don't worry, I got you. And then they'll explain it to me. So it's good to have yeah. mentors. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good to have mentors and it's tough to find the right mentor. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why the coaching business is thriving. In fact, in our past uh, directive stories, uh, we had uh, interesting speakers who shared that the only reason uh, why the coaching business is a, a billion-dollar business out there, people uh, who are health coaches, who are fitness coaches, people who are in the mental health space, people who market themselves as coaches, they are minting money um, in private therapy and practices, even though they are not qualified. Again, in US, it's uh, pretty strict out there, as in yeah. uh, you you can't be uh, guiding or providing solutions to somebody if you're not uh, licensed. That's something which we all handle with or probably deal with. In fact, uh, we know the kind of stories which we are seeing uh, in the last couple of months. We know uh, the kind of events which are out there. In fact, I listened to another podcast of yours. I I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> the way probably it's one of your schoolmate or probably college mate, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a good uh, friend of mine. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, like I, I loved listening to it because it's interesting the way you guys uh, had taken up that entire interview because you guys know each other, uh, you know the kind of pitfalls. I mean, like, what's happening due to uh, the current ongoing situation in the Capitol House? Why are, <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to recollect the kind of questions which you had, but that was an awesome interview, which I had listened to. I, was I like, appreciate oh. that, yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I mean, uh, the way the people are dealing with the Capitol House situation, how, um, uh, the U.S. healthcare space is uh, changing because of the things and why mm -hmm. people are running around crazy. You, uh, I mean, that was like a genuine, authentic uh, interview between two friends or buddies. I could feel that. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I had a sneak preview as to 
feel the pulse which you would have and an interview on any interview for that matter but thank you so much yeah uh, and, i really uh, appreciate that yeah that <laughs> yeah we you know we 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 touched on some um very powerful subjects in that interview one of which was you know just seeing what's going on in uh america box just despite what side you might be on um it could be very triggering you know what i mean um i think that what people don't understand a lot of the times is that um there is this kind of a, a emotional connection that people have to these political figures because these political figures are supposed to be you know quote unquote defending their understanding of you know what america is supposed to be um and so you know if one side gets challenged it stirs up an emotional reaction um in 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 that side and what you know happened on the capitol was an example of a group of individuals who were very riled up by this understanding of america that they have um which is in contrast to uh the understanding that other people have of america and so you saw misaligned perspectives and how that manifests um in a very uh, uh you know physical way right yeah that's true um so can you share uh, apart from um, uh, what i could find on jkcounseling.com uh what is that you have read or listened to recently that has inspired you That's a good question. Um uh the body keeps the score. Um it's a book by uh Bessel uh Vandekalk. Um he he is a uh psychiatrist who has been studying um trauma for and the tra- and the impact of trauma for years. Um that and it just got me in this uh <laughs> this rabbit hole. I'm also studying a little bit of Stephen uh Stephen Porges work on the polyvagal theory um essentially what these have been teaching me is that there are and it, it it is a very something very useful in terms of understanding our emotions in a less metaphysical way and, and more in a physical way um the three different uh branches or i would call them branches of our nervous system right um through the 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 the, the polyvagal nerve which is um he talks about we have ventrovagal we have sympathetic and we have dorsal vagal and ventrovagal is how we navigate everyday life right we we have a sympathetic response when we have energy fight or flight um the heart is racing um but like in 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 a way that it's manageable um you know if you're in a stimulating conversation right or you know if you you know you you're watching a show that's very funny um it's a manageable level of excitement and then it oscillates between that manageable level of excitement to the parasympathetic which is our relaxation right us being at rest you know um the basically everything that's happening right before you sleep so you know that's ventrovagal sympathetic is just fight or flight that's when we are in our uh most alert state our mental capacity um centers on whatever the threat is and we're either trying to fight the threat or we're trying to run away from it um after sympathetic is dorsal vagal which is um you know they call it the collapse um it is all about freeze you're not you 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 reclude inside of your own mind um and you're not in the moment anymore and that in that moment you're you're just numb and basically what he talks about is during a traumatic episode you move from being in a ventral vagal state um to a dor- um to a, a a sympathetic state and if you're now able to do anything to preserve your your well-being at that state you move into this 
dorsovagal where you're collapsed and you're frozen in place and you're numb. And sometimes people in life can, can move in that direction, which is going on in this pandemic where people just feel numb all day because of the trauma they're facing as a result of what we talked about earlier. Yeah, that's true, Joel. In fact, uh, thank you for sharing. So is it the same author, Basel? Yes. Mm -hmm. That's the book. That's the book right there. Okay, that's interesting. So if you're watching this replay, I probably will uh, make biteable videos of this and also share it uh, on our social media, be it, be it on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube. In fact, body certainly keeps the score. It's how we manage. And um, as per, um, I, I completely agree. In India also, or probably in the physician's world, we know that we need to have this uh, synchronous rhythmic breathing uh, mm -hmm. because we breathe um, manages everything, whether uh, it's uh, probably controlling the entire system, being uh, going through sympathetic nervous system or uh, a sympathetic nervous system. Again, as you mentioned, the fight or flight. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that, Joel. Mm -hmm. So in case if there are any three people um, who are uh, most influential to you, uh, mm. who you pick? Uh, this is again uh, something which, which had been planned. I wanted to know who are the three people who are most influential to you. Hmm. Three people who are uh, very influential. You mean through all of time? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. as a, uh, as a, uh, as a uh, owner of JG Counseling, uh, or probably as being a professor at New York uh, Institute of Technology, uh, or probably helping uh, many of your clients, uh, be it your personal or professional, who had been most influential to you? Probably. Uh, in the healthcare space, it would be very relevant to us. That will be awesome, too. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, if, 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 if I were to think of uh, three people, wow, this is a hard one. There's so many people, that's, and that's the problem. I'm so inundated, and I, I'd feel remiss <laughs> if I didn't mention someone. You know, <laughs> one great person, I would say, is, is just uh, uh, Martin Luther King. I, I, I think that his life was amazing. I love the work that he was doing in, in trying to get – bring people together. Um, and, you know, we don't really, well, I mean, I'm sure we do think about him in the social work field, but in terms of uh, psychotherapy, he might not be the first person that comes to mind. Um, but what he was talking about, which I really liked was he was being very vulnerable about his experience, what, what he wanted. I think a lot of the times when, and he was able to illust uh, uh, vocalize his anger and the anger that was felt by um, uh, the black community in such an eloquent way, um, it was almost difficult to, do, you know, um, not be able to listen to it. Um, I, I think that, you know, in, in the work that we do as, as therapists and, and, and trying to teach people how to be able to express their emotions, especially something like anger, anger is seen as this pariah because it's the strong feeling that normally deviates you from principles like, you know, don't hit someone or, or don't yell. Um, and so a lot of the times we say stay away anger, but um, Martin Luther King was a very angry man and he was able to express that anger in, in this way that was uh, digestible to people. And they would say, yeah, that, that's the feeling I have. Um, so, you know, I, I would guess one person would definitely be um, Martin Luther King. Um, you know, I think that, you know, in, 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 in terms of, uh, of, of healthcare in general, um, Bessel van der Kolk actually would be another person. I think he's a brilliant 
um, psychiatrist and, and, and the work that he's done in understanding how trauma impacts the body in this uh, physical way, as opposed to just this metaphysical way. You, you, a lot of the times when we talk about psychology, we talk about um, concepts, you know, objects, relations, and concepts that you can't really tangibly feel. But what he was able to do was bring the biological nature of psychology to say everything psychological should be able to be explained biologically. And he was able to do that, um, you know, in, in, in his work. Um, you know, as a third person, uh, oh, <laughs> you know, because I have so many people, um, you know, as a third person, uh, you know, I'll stick with healthcare because that'll narrow it down for me. Um, <laughs> Stephen Porges, <laughs> because I'll, I'll keep you all day if I could just think of people who've influenced me in my life. But I would say uh, 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 Stephen Porges, um, he was the one who, who, who discovered the polyvagal theory, um, which has uh, greatly impacted you know, a lot of the work that I do. Um, so yeah, I, I would say those uh, three, three individuals have, at least when I think about uh, mental health and any person that I forgot, I do apologize. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely fine. So Stephen Porges is, is, is he the person like, who is mm -hmm. in logical state, muscle medicine? Yes, mm -hmm. that's the guy. Oh, okay. Again, he speaks about uh, sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system, which is mm -hmm. like, uh, again, um, most of this is also in uh, uh, Indian literature. Uh, I mean, in Vedic scripts, which were written like 5,000 years ago. Oh, uh, wow. Thing, uh, which I would love to uh, explore more. I'll see if I can get in touch with this, um, at least if Stephen Porges, if he's out there, he has got a Wikipedia page, which is like good. Uh, so we have few connections. It'll be an awesome thing uh, to have somebody from the mental health space, somebody who you look up to always. Uh, definitely, uh, I'll wait to uh, hear from you another 20 years, 30 years down the line. I'm waiting <laughs> to see you also in the list. Uh, being an influential person uh, <laughs> uh, to somebody out there, probably to another youngster. And um, mm. that would certainly happen. So <laughs> I, I appreciate mean, that. The vote of confidence. Yeah, that's wonderful. I like that. I mean, the kind of people whom we interview, uh, they are on the journey of being an influencer. Uh, we know that um, they have given time to the community or to the uh, people around them. And it's an honor. In fact, uh, during our journey, uh, probably for another five years or 10 years down the line, we will certainly circle back and look up, uh, look it up uh, again. Probably um, we'll catch up with you in 2022 or 2023, 2025, uh, waiting to see uh, your journey because uh, we certainly believe that if, um, if we can do it also uh, with 480,000 clinicians on our job board, uh, at direct shifts, again, where we are connecting clinicians uh, directly to the employers. Uh, if you log on to directshifts.com, with the help of technology, the technology is evolving. Uh, the healthcare space um, is also evolving. The 2021, again, we see uh, lots of things, keeping aside the political uh, aspects. Normally, we do not speak anything with respect to politics, but again, uh, with respect to the new policies which are coming in. So why don't you share what's what's new um, in terms of mental health space or 
as a licensed clinical social worker, as a professor, or somebody who is part of uh, educational industry in healthcare space, what's what's new? What's going to happen in 2021 or 2022 as per your learnings? Uh, what's new? Um, you know, one of the biggest things I think, and 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 we're already just seeing that in just how businesses are operating is remote work, right? And so telehealth, I think, is going to continue to see a bloom. Um, if you know. If you're a therapist who's not in, or if you're a, or a healthcare professional who's not in the telehealth field, you know what I mean? I, I, I don't know how you're operating, right? Because telehealth is going to continue to see this great increase. It's getting normalized. Um, it's not going anywhere. I think in 2022, 2023, um, all that's going to happen is, if anything, if a, you know, a healthcare uh, organization or, or a practice uh, wants to move back into seeing people in person, or or has to see people in person. They're also going to have this uh, this 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 attachment to telehealth in some capacity. Um, so you're going to see a huge uh, a continued movement in that direction of remote. Um, you know, uh, in terms of education, there's going to be a lot of trainings that are just available online. Um, you already see it in um, uh, businesses like uh, Udemy and Teachable. You know, um, having these online courses that people can go um, and 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 purchase and 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 be able to learn about whatever subject they want to learn. Um, so you know, people's emotional intelligence is going to increase, right? Because um, I feel the, the society we kind of lived in before, we didn't really have to do a lot of inward searching work, um, and so um, now people are more curious than ever about well, how does the mind work, and 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 how. Am I being, um, you know, triggered by the events that are going on? You know, if you're not being triggered, right, you're asking somebody, is there something wrong with me for not being triggered? You know, so I think that a lot of different online courses are going to center around teaching people how to look inwards. What are some signs for, um, you know, uh, possible pathology or, or, or just possible um, trauma um, and, and, and teach people how to navigate past that? So I think that's the route that uh, that we're going to be seeing going forward. Yeah, thank you. So as you mentioned about telehealth and teletherapy and uh, teleeducation, which is like through uh, online courses, Udemy, which is also evolving. Uh, most of them are self-paced courses. In fact, uh, yesterday uh, in one of the interviews where we had Dr. Karen Bullock, uh, who is the Dean of Social Work from North Carolina University. I mean, your statements made me remember her uh, speaking about this current problem, uh, most of them who are also um, postgraduates, like Master of Social Work, uh, who had spent five to seven years in learning uh, every aspect of social work, being a, being a, uh, in the mental health space, but they are not able to clear their online exams as a certified clinician. How would, mm -hmm. What would you advise to people out there? who is preparing for their uh, clinical exams? Mm. Uh, preparing for the clinical exams is, is it's a difficult examination. Um, you know, I think that the best way that a person can prepare is just through trial and error. And what I mean by that is getting practice uh, exams and just to keep trying them. Um, it's very difficult to learn what all the information that's being asked on these exams. Um, and, you know, 
by the time you go for, for so I'm going to speak just for social work for a second. For social work, you get you take one license um, and for the masters, and then you take another license for your clinical. When you take the, the the information you have to learn when you get your masters, that happens usually during school. So you're kind of fresh and, and you know out of school, and and you remember theories and and and, and um, you remember different um, concepts behind practice. But by the time you take your clinical exam, which usually happens two, three, four, five, six years later, you're in your field. And while you're in your field, you're already specifying in a market, um, and the, the clinical exam is asking you about all the fields, you know. So you know the, the the challenge there becomes, you know, I understand clinical social work, but I only understand clinical social work in you know um, uh, uh, psy psychosis, or I understand clinical social work in anger. And so I tell people that to take practice exams, so they get to see one all the other different fields you know, to humble themselves a little bit, because when you become an expert in a field, um, you, you know, you, you have, uh, you know, a, a bit of ego. I'm not saying like this grand level of ego, but you have a bit of ego when you're confident in your field, but now you're he hearing about some other issue that you're not confident in. So take some exams, uh, get humbled a little bit and, and start seeing the areas that you're having difficulties in and then um, focus more of your attention to studying those things. And plus the other thing with taking practice exams is it lets you become more relaxed as you take exams. So when you take the main exam, um, you'll be a little bit more comfortable. Wow, that's awesome. So I was also wondering, um, just like the Toastmasters Club, which is out there for people to become better speakers uh, to, I mean, for anybody out there who wants to be better leaders in the general industry out there. Uh, you know about Toastmasters Club, right, Joel? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like that in the clini uh, clinical space or for anybody who is also preparing for their exams, why don't we come up with uh, like Kwame method or Joel Kwame's method, methodology <laughs> where we help people practice their uh, exams? I know it would be uh, tough to manage because we need resources. We need people who would manage everything, but we can give it a shot. We can give it a try. We can pull in lots of people um, again. Definitely, it's it's all about the practice. Yeah. And as you mentioned, uh, it could be trial and error. Uh, we know many people out there on Facebook groups or LinkedIn groups who share their test scores saying, hey, I've, I've cleared my exam. I've passed my uh, certification. Uh, people flashing in their uh, LCSWs or MSWs. Uh, we feel very honored as well. We feel joy. But... At the same time, people who had cleared their exams, who had been through that path, can certainly share the journey with uh, somebody who is going through that particular practice or the exam. That would definitely help. So yeah, I agree me, with you. Let's let's see if we can uh, create that legacy uh, for the people who would follow you on LinkedIn or people who would follow you on uh, social media. Let's let's work it out. Let's. I, I'm all I'm all in the game uh, to yeah. take it forward. Uh, let's help uh, lots of youngsters also clear their exam. At the end of the day, um, probably they need a mentor. Uh, they would mm -hmm. need probably uh, one-hour coaching weekly or what to do, what not to do, how to go step by step. So uh, there are lots of people who are also uh, paying for that kind of service. I mean, the people who are willing to pay for it, but they don't find the right kind of mentor, somebody who would uh, walk them through that journey. So 
let's let's think about it. Uh, that's something which is interesting. So the next question which we have on the screen for you: What is one myth about mental health space? Uh, probably mm -hmm. your profession as an adjunct professor at New York Institute of Technology that you want to debunk. What is one? Uh, there. Oh man, there's so many. Um, you know, one one big one. I would. Uh, there, there, you know, there's this stigma around therapy that is, um, you know, you 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 use therapy when there's something wrong with you. You know what I mean? Uh, you must have this kind of pathology, and seeing a therapist means that you're treating a uh, a, a pathology. Um, it's 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 a myth, you know. That 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 to me, it it, it really irks me. You know, when you think of anxiety, even when someone talks about anxiety, generally a person speaks of anxiety as if they have some sort of sickness, right? Like the flu. They're saying, "Oh no, I have I have the anxiety," right? Really, anxiety is just it's it's data. And what we need to understand about emotions is all emotions are just information letting us know how we're perceiving the world around us or the relationships around us. Um, and you know, the work should be to figure out why is that feeling presenting itself. You know. When we're talking about anxiety, maybe in the workplace, you know, um, what is it about the workspace that's giving me problems? Because that's why I have my anxiety. Public speaking, I have my anxiety. Or test taking, I have my anxiety. Well, there's a threat to your hope. You know what I mean? I want to, I want to do well in this public speaking event, or I want to do well in, in, in my job, or I want to do well on this exam. And there's a threat to that, which is this, you know, um, this exam or me having to speak. And uh, that anxiety manifesting is not a pathology, it's information, you know? Um, and, and I gave those really uh, basic examples, but it can be in more difficult ones, like in relationships with family and relationship with friends where you don't understand why you have the feeling, but in reality, it could be connected to something that you experienced when you were younger. Um, and so therapy really should be exploring that. And it should not be seen as this stigma that you have a pathology because everyone has these emotions. Um, that are triggered by something, you know? That's true. I mean, um, even um, the American Mental Health Association, there are a few groups which I follow on LinkedIn. Uh, the mental health stigma, which is out there, uh, they have to, not only they, it's again, everybody's responsibility. We need to create lots of awareness. Uh, we need to say that it's a privilege uh, out there uh, to have this kind of service from a licensed clinical social worker or somebody who who's already been in that profession through uh, after clearing their exams. It's always good to have a professional advice. Uh, mm -hmm. The sad part, as you mentioned about uh, the therapy of mental health stigma, is that people listen to somebody who is not qualified. And yeah. they, make, they make fun of them or they make fun of the therapy. Uh, they don't ask the right questions. Again, that again... Uh, accelerates the kind of trauma, um, uh, the depression and anxiety and all the things which you mentioned uh, previously. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'll, um, I certainly agree with whatever you shared. Uh, that's one of the myths. Again, as you mentioned, there could be a lot more um, myths which can be debunked, which can be shared. Um, so tell us as to... Um, um, like, do you have any favorite quote of yours, something which you want to share, uh, something from the um, behavioral therapy or any anything from the cognitive, cognitive behavioral therapy? Is there anything which you'd like to 
share from your clinical uh, practice or from the kind of clinical evidence which you had with your clients? Any interesting? Mm. Any, any, you're saying any kind of thought that I've gained from some of the interactions with my patients? Yes. Um, I, you know, it, it goes back to the, just that, which is that um, emotions aren't pathologies. You know what I mean? And, and, and to me, I think when I started to, to learn that, you know, uh, uh, what, what psychology is part of, uh, you know, homeostasis, right? And it is just about maintaining and, 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 and trying to preserve the host. So, you know, how we sometimes distort reality or, or, or how we can um, uh, have these kinds of outlooks, how we can become depressed, how we can become angry. And when you understand that that's just all these emotions are, 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 are your body just is your mind just trying to take care of you. You know what I mean? Anxiety presenting itself and thinking it's a problem with reality. Anxiety is just telling you, you don't like this person or you don't like this situation, you know, or, or anger saying that I don't like to be devalued or I feel powerless. When we get to a place where we're asking our psychology, how are you trying to help me? As opposed to saying there's something wrong with you. Um, I think for me personally, that made me um, increase in my clinical skills exponentially. Um, and, and, and so that's the route that I usually take whenever I'm trying to observe a person's behaviors. Um, I'm trying to say, well, how is your psychology trying to help you? It could be helping you in a way that's causing you controversy, but it is trying to help you. You know, it, 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 looking at it this way um, and, and letting my patients know to look at it this way allows them to be more self-compassionate and allows me to start off with empathy. Oh, okay. So, um, thank you. So this is like... Uh, Again, we are almost uh, to the end of our show, but uh, where can our listeners find you? Somebody who would listen to this podcast, Mini Bites, or if people would catch up uh, this on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, where can our listeners find you online? That's good. You know, um, I recently started um, an Instagram page. So it's, it's at, you know, JK Counseling, uh, J-K-C-O-U-N. S-E-L-I-N-G.com. I'm sorry, um, just I-N-G. And I also have my website, which is um, JK Counseling, which is uh, JK, you know, counseling.com. Um, I try to, I try my best to put up blogs at least once or twice a month. Um, I got a, 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 a lot of good blog writers that I've been able to be connected with. Um, they can help me with that. Um, and in addition, um, on, on my website, I'm sorry, on my Instagram handle, I try to put up motivational quotes. I try to put up um, my perspective on some, um, uh, some, some headlines and some stories, um, you know. Uh, and if you want to just, you know, DM me on, on Instagram, I'm always available for a chat. Um, and, and, and please you know, type it. in the Instagram handle in the chat there. Like, uh, okay. Uh, or else let me do that for you. Okay, I appreciate that. Uh, if you um, could spell, yeah, could you spell that for me once again? JK. Okay. Um, so I'm sorry, it's at first and then JK yeah. C O U. Okay, JK Counseling? Yes. Just like the website, okay. Mm -hmm. That's it. And that's my Instagram. Okay, let me. That up. Oh, I got it. Okay, started following it. 
Let me share that or flash it on the screen. Yeah, this is the one. Yeah, there it is. Hey, I love that. So you're an anger management specialist also. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you, I have a lot uh, of hats. Oh, okay. I don't follow my own rule, which is, you know, you're supposed to find a niche and you're supposed to, you know, really concentrate on that. I'm curious in so many different things. And so I find myself in so many different worlds, whether that world be anger management, um, whether that world be uh, trauma-informed care, whether that world is depression, anxiety. Um, but yeah, I don't follow my own rule. <laughs> That's this is awesome. Thank you so much for sharing this. And uh, I guess, um, again, uh, we will find uh, everything through jkcounseling.com uh, and the links which are in there. Um, but thank you so much, uh, Joel. And in case if you are in my shoes, uh, Joel, like if anything else which you want me to ask apart from whatever I had asked so far? Um, you know, I, 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 if, if I were in your shoes, I would, you know, just reiterate that point that's, um, which you've been saying, which has been, I, I think, wonderful and 100% and accurate, which is that I think a lot of people try to find mental health services um, online through the right or wrong paths, you know what I mean? And you'll go to a coach who says, you know, tough it out, or you'll go to somebody who says, you know, oh, that's a myth. And you start to take in that knowledge, but you're not going to a, a person who's a specialist, you know, go to somebody who's trained um, in the, in the field, um, go to somebody who can give you clinical information um, that can uh, support you taking care of yourself, but also can help support, um, I'm sorry, also help take care of you. So, um, you know, do it the right way, you know, um, do it the right way. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been an uh, absolute honor once again uh, I'll, uh, for being here, Joel, and for all the listeners out there. Uh, you can also go to JK Counseling uh, with a single uh, L. Uh, so it's jkcounseling.com. Again, uh, Instagram handle is uh, instagram.com forward slash uh, JK Counseling. I'll just put that in the comment section. Um, so what else uh, would you like to, um, uh, like, what are your plans for, I mean, for another 11 months of 2021? Um, Joel, I mean, this would be the last question uh, mm -hmm. with the kind of time which you have already pro proven as, in fact, the time just flew. Um, yeah. Uh, what, what would be your plan for 2021? Uh, the kind of people whom you're going to help uh, clear their exams or, are you launching your podcast? Or are you coming up with your own show? In fact, we can help you launch your podcast on uh, Apple and uh, on Google Podcasts. I can help you. We've been doing that. Uh, oh. We can, in fact, uh, if you do that consistently over social media, I know you're quite active on Instagram now. We can help you uh, with whatever we do on uh, LinkedIn or YouTube also. So, what what are your plans for? Another 11 months of 2021, uh, like, in yeah, terms of... That's, that's a great question. So, uh, you know, I, 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 I have been very interested in um, starting a podcast. With, I mean, first off, let me just say, you know, thank you for hosting me. Thank you for having me. Um, I loved your questions. They were magnificent. Um, 
you know, but yes, you know, launching a podcast is definitely something I want to get more into writing. I'm going to be um, uh, uh, providing a, a bunch of articles um, this year, you know, just talking about the pandemic, um, just talking about how we can better take care of ourselves so that, like we were mentioning earlier, people can go through the right avenues to learn about um, um, how to make sure, uh, you know, they're doing well, um, you know, uh, trying to get into some um, providing some uh, teaching packages online so that people, again, if you're not really uh, a person who likes to read, you can take these kind of online curriculums and, you know, that that can help. Um, and then just continue, you know, doing the work that I've already been doing. Um, you know, I think now more than ever, uh, people are really taking care of their mental health. And I, I, I personally love it. Um, you know, I, I, I like this route for people. I, I, I got into this profession to help people and helping a person first starts with acknowledging that you need help. And I think now we're in a place where a lot of people are making that acknowledgement. Thank you, Joel. Uh, it's an honor. Again, uh, we will do something in the community. Uh, we are also planning to come up with Connecting Clinicians Club. Uh, like, uh, are you on Clubhouse? Just a quick question before we wrap up. No, I heard about it. I, I've wanted to get into it. I was. It's funny that you brought that up because I was just thinking about it maybe last night. I was like, yeah, that sounds like a really interesting thing, but I never got started. Yeah, I mean, uh, there are many people uh, talking about it and saying, Clubhouse is not a marketplace for marketers. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't have an iPhone. That's the reason I'm not on Clubhouse. But uh, I can I can proudly say that. Uh, but I heard that people are addicted to uh, the kind of stories which are shared over Clubhouse. Um, again, be it on any social media, be it on Facebook or LinkedIn or YouTube or Instagram, Snapchat, we know how people get glued to the kind of um, mm -hmm. social shares, be it likes and comments and shares. Uh, but if you experience Clubhouse, let us know. Probably we'll uh, find you through your Instagram updates about uh, the kind of stories which you would share through Clubhouse. And um, if you do any weekly show also, uh, hit us up. We'll be glad to help you through Directions Stories or through Directions as a company because we have a team. We have a very strong team in terms of design and scheduling and planning things when it comes to branding. We would love to help you out. Um, it's, it's been a golden hour, whatever we had for the last 55 minutes. Thank you so much for your valuable time. And um, before I wrap up, do you want to share anything else? Well, you know, again, thank you for uh, having me and, you know, um, yeah, no, I, I, I don't have uh, any any other wise words to say, <laughs> you know. I just am really, I'm really appreciative of the time we share. Yeah, I mean, I could see that you have an encyclopedia or ocean full of information when it comes to uh, mental health space. Again, the kind of right questions, I'm sure the information would flow like um, rain or probably tornado or that. But <laughs> it's... It's, it's a never-ending life, just like our breath, right, from birth to death. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the conversation can go on and on. Um, but again, uh, my goal is to create a small bites or small um, stories out of whatever you shared in the last 55 minutes. So probably we'll have 55 or probably 20 or 30 different small um, shareable content through social media, which I'll share it with you. And for all the listeners, in case uh, if you're watching this for now live or probably if you're hearing the replay, uh, do catch up 
or find Joel online at jkcounseling.com and log on to directions.com to know about what we do in the healthcare space, connecting clinicians uh, to the employers and also helping employers get the right kind of talent. And thank you for joining in for this episode of Directions Stories. Uh, catch us uh, this, uh, this Saturday again uh, with Brian Anderson, uh, who is the next guest for um, the Directions Stories. You can find that on our social media handles. And until then, I'll see you. Uh, this is Raj Misa signing off. Thank you, Joel, for uh, everything which you have shared uh, in this particular episode. Thank you, Raj. So I'll... I'll uh, stay tuned or probably um, I'll find you in the next episode of Directive Stories. Thank you all. This is Raj Misa, your host for Directive Stories and I'll see you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye.